You are now listening to an awesome sermon from the St. Louis Dream Center. Grab a pen and some paper, you're in for a treat. So I'm born and raised here in St. Louis. Outside of the three years that we spent in Chicago, I've been here my whole life. So I know how to get anywhere at any time. But I use my GPS because my GPS tells me a lot of times how long it's going to take to get there and any of the things that I need to know traveling around the city. But when we lived in Chicago for three years, I didn't know how to get anywhere. And so in Chicago, I would use the GPS all the time. So I had to go to a meeting one Monday morning and that Sunday night, you know, I I like to plan. So I put the address in the GPS that night, and it said it would take me 42 minutes to get to the meeting. So if you know me, I left an hour early because I believe that on time is not on time but late. I believe that to be on time, you have to be early. So I was planning to be 15 minutes early, got ready to get in the car the next morning, put the address in, and as I'm getting ready to drive, it said an hour and a half. I'm like, but I put the address in the night before and it said 42 minutes. And now it's saying an hour and a half, I'm going to be late. And I learned something in that moment. GPS operates in real time. So when you put it in at 10 o'clock at night, there's no traffic. When you put it in at 730 in the morning, there's traffic. And it's crazy. So I'm sitting there and I'm walking into this meeting late because of my GPS. The interesting thing is this, I use the GPS because I know that I don't always know where I'm going. Even though it got me there late, I got there. The challenge with us is we don't use what we have available to us because we already think we know what we should do and where we should go. God is our GPS system. He guides us and directs us because he has a plan for us. I don't know if you know this, and maybe no one's ever told you this, but did you know when you were born, God had a plan in mind for your life? And it was a plan to prosper you and to bless you and to set you on high. God did not plan for you to be mediocre. He did not plan for you to live mediocre. He planned for you to live a life that is extraordinary and beyond anything that you could have ever imagined. I want to submit to you that that whatever dream you have right now, it's not big enough. That while you're thinking about owning five stores, God said, I have a plan for 10. While you're thinking about writing five books, God says, I have a plan for 20. But we like to follow our plans because we think we know what we're doing. And we miss out on what God has in store for us. I want to read this to you. I read this last week, and it was so good that I wanted to read it to you again because I wanted you to get the crux of what God thinks about you and your life, no matter what state you're in right now. Deuteronomy chapter 28. And I want to read through this so you can see it. It says, if you listen obediently to the voice of God, your God, And heartily obey all his commandments that I command you today. God, your God, will place you on high, high above all the nations of the world. And all these blessings will come down on you and spread beyond you because you have responded to the voice of God, your God. And then he says, blessings will follow you in the city, in the country, 
Your children will be blessed. Your land will be blessed. Your livestock will be blessed. Your herds will be blessed. Your flocks will be blessed. And we understand that that was their commerce at the time. So whatever your commerce is right now, that call center you work for, that business that you own, that job that you work for, God says, I'm going to bless it when you listen to me. Then he says, I'll bless your basket, your bread bowl. He says, I'll bless you when you walk in and when you come out. And says, as a matter of fact, God will defeat your enemies who attack you. They'll come at you on one road and run the other seven roads away. He says, I'll bless your barns and your workplace. He'll bless you in the land that your God has given you. Then he says, God will form you as a holy people to himself, just as he promised you, if you keep the commands of God, your God, and live the way that he has shown you. I love this part. All the people of the earth will see that you're living under the name of God and hold you in respect and awe. And this is the part that I love the most. God will lavish you with good things. Children from your womb, offspring from your animals, crops from your land, the land that God promised your ancestors, that will he give you. I love the word lavish because the the word lavish doesn't mean I'm going to squeak out some blessings. And then just growing up, we used to use this phrase, can I get a squig of your drink? Now, for those of you that don't know what the word squig means, I mean, can I get a sip? Just a little bit of your drink. God says, I'm not giving you a squig of my blessing. I'm not just giving you a little blessing. He says, I'm going to lavish blessing on you. That means abundant flow from God. He says, a matter of fact, God will throw open the doors of his sky vaults. And he will pour out rain on your land on schedule and bless the work that you take in. Oh, I love this part. You will lend to many nations, but you yourself won't have to take out a loan, a payday loan or a bank loan. (laughs) God will make you the head and not the tail. And then he says, you'll always be on top and never at the bottom. That is the blessing that God has in store for us. He said, I'm going to pull a Drake. I'm going to take you from the bottom to the top, and you're going to stay there. My kids love when I try and be millennial. It's just... But here's the thing. I wanted to read that to you just like that. So you can know when you read the word of God, you're getting ideas into how God thinks. So God isn't thinking that you need to be broke your whole life. He's not thinking you have to be sick your whole life. He's not thinking that you can't have anything your whole life. No, if you read, this is God's word speaking to us. He said, I want to lavish you with good things. Can I tell you, a good thing is not peace or joy. Because a thing is an inanimate object. So he'll bless you with peace, bless you with joy. But he said, I'm going to bless you with good things. A good thing is my house. A good thing is my car. As a matter of fact, a good thing is my wife sitting right here because he says that, you know, if I please him, he would bless me. He that finds a wife finds a good what? Yeah. Come on. I'm sorry. I'm back. So back. Back in the message. So this is the way God thinks. If you think that God doesn't want to bless you, if you think that God doesn't want to promote you, if you think that God doesn't want more for you, you've already missed the boat and you've believed a lie from the devil. God wants more. 
God wants to bless you more than you want to be blessed. But he says, I'm not going to bless you the way that you want to be blessed. I'm not going to take you the route that you want to go. You got to listen to my voice and you got to go the way that I want you to go. See, I believe God is in this. He's talking to them and directing them towards a promised land. He's taking them out of Egypt, taking them into a promised land. And I believe that the promised land encompasses three categories. The promised land is the place, the possession, and position. That that's God's promised land, the place, the possession, and the position. And I believe that God has a promised land for every single one of us. He has individual promised lands. See, we know that when we get to heaven, that is the ultimate promised land. But God has a promised land for us right down here that is his purpose and his plan for your life as an individual. And he has a plan for your life that is good to bless you with. But the bottom line is this. God positions us to prosper. He's not positioning you to fail. He's not positioning your life to be miserable. He is trying to position you to prosper And I believe this whole thing works by faith and not by sight. You have to believe what God is saying and walk out what he's saying to you to really really get there. I believe you must believe to receive. Now listen to these things, these few things that I believe that you must believe to receive what God has. I must first believe that God loves me. Outside of my performance. Outside of being good one day and bad the next day, outside of being perfect, I have to believe that God loves me if I never act good at all. Now, I know for some of y'all theologians, you're walking, well, Pastor Tony, does that mean I can go around and sin all that I want and God will still love me? Can I tell you? Yes. He will love you. He can't bless you, but he'll love you. (laughs) You can never be too bad. That you disqualify yourself for God's love. The Bible says, said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It didn't say for God so loved Christians. For God so loved the church. He loved the world. So you must first believe that God loves me. The second thing, you must believe that he wants what's best for me. That God wants what's best for me. Then you must believe that he isn't trying to make me miserable. That God isn't trying to give me a life of misery or heartache. Listen, as God is believing what's best for you and wants what's best for you, there may be times of struggle, but I'll tell you this, God's ultimate goal for you isn't for you to be miserable. The Bible says that he came that we may have life and life to the fullest. That's not a God who wants us to be in misery. And then the fourth thing, I believe Where he's leading me is better than where I am. See, you have to believe these things because if you don't believe that God loves you, and if you don't believe that he wants what's best for you, if you don't believe that God doesn't want you to be miserable, and that God's leading is to a place that's better than where you are, you won't listen to him. Because why would I listen to somebody who isn't out for my good, who isn't trying to take me somewhere that's going to be a blessing to me? This whole thing works by faith. And maybe you're in a season of difficulty right now. Maybe you're walking through the most difficult thing you've ever walked through. 
Or maybe your whole life has been filled with bad decisions that have caused you to think that God doesn't want to bless you. Can I tell you the devil is a lie and your circumstances right now don't dictate what he has in store for you? What you walked through in your past don't dictate what he has for your future? He has something great in store for you. Weeping may endure for the night. Joy is going to come in the morning because there may be moments of difficulty. But ultimately, God has a plan that is bigger, better, and greater than my wildest dreams. See, at the moment I quit believing that, the devil has won because I stopped going after it. Some of us right now are settled in situations that God never told you to settle with. And you're settled there because you think that that's all there is, that that's all God has in store for you. No, I want to read this to you out of Jeremiah 29 and 11. It's not on the screen, but I love this portion. Out of the NIRV version, it says, I know the plans I have for you, announced the Lord. I want you to enjoy success. I don't plan to harm you. I will give you hope for the years to come. This is what God is saying to us. He says, I want you to enjoy success. Then if you, if you go look at Proverbs 3 and 6, He says, seek his will in all you do. He will show you which path to take. You read it out of the message. It says, trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. But my favorite one is the the living Bible version. And just so you know, like me, when I find a scripture... I'll just read different versions until one pops. It's like there's one that you're reading. You're like, oh, that was really good. And this one for me was really good. It says, in everything you do, put God first. He will direct you and crown your efforts with success. So here is a God that wants to prosper you and bless you and give you success in everything that you set your hands to. But there is one condition. Hear my voice. Do what I say do. Go where I say go. Be the person I've called you to be. See, you you can't have the blessings without having the instruction. Many of us want to have God the way we want to have him. We, We want God to be like Santa Claus. Just come sit on my lap. Tell me what you want, and it doesn't matter what my life looks like, doesn't matter how I live, doesn't matter what I do, doesn't matter if I'm obedient to you or not, just give me what I want. And God's like, I want to give you what you want more than you want to have what you want, but it's not going to come the way that you want. And he's like, you're mad at me for something that you have control over. I think about this on a regular basis because I run across people all the time who, you know, they they ask T.D. Jakes, how did you get where you are? They ask Stephen Furtick, how did you get where you are? Michael Todd, how did you get where you are? People have asked me, how did you get to where you are? And, And listen, we're in this age of social media stardom where we think the amount of followers that you have on social media dictates your popularity or success. 
We think if you have a reality show that that dictates that you're successful and we're taking advantage, we're we're taking advice from these people who really don't have real success because real successes in life isn't how many Twitter followers I have or Instagram followers I have. It isn't how many people watch my reality show. Real success in my life is when I can stand before Jesus when he comes back. And say, and he speaks to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. You were faithful over this. Now I'm going to give you the crown of life. Success in life isn't about my status or my fame or my likes. My success is, daddy, am I pleasing to you? And in this place of wanting to be stars and wanting to be famous and make our name great, We go after management groups and all of these people that we bring alongside us to make our name great. No. When you ask Jake's how he got there, when you ask John Gray how he got there, when you ask these guys who've attained this status, they said, I just trusted what he told me. Jake tells this incredible story of how he was pastoring this church in West Virginia and, and nothing was taken off and nothing was happening and nothing was moving forward. And he got this phone call to, to come and take someone's place on a show because they couldn't be there. And, and it was like as when he got the chance to come on the show, that was when everybody saw who he was and God began to lift who he was. It, wa- it wasn't the management group. It wasn't the promotional group. It was God directing his steps. And when God said it was time, that's when God lifted him up. But we want to get up before it's time. Can I tell you? God is showing mercy by not promoting you before your time. Because he's like, why would I? I don't want to give it to you now. If I gave it to you now, it would destroy you. Because you're not ready for it yet. So I'm going to make it feel like nothing's happening and nothing's taking place. Why? Because I'm walking you through the wilderness to see, can I trust you with stardom? If things aren't going right, will you still serve me? If things aren't happening the way they should, will you still worship me? There are those moments. Somebody said, how'd you get there? You know what? I can't even tell you. All I know is he sent me here and he directed me there. And I mean, I did some things, but it was just at a moment. It was, it was at the least possible moment when I really didn't think this moment mattered. The stage wasn't as big. There wasn't as many people in the audience. But he sent me to this place with a little group of people. And I did what he told me to do as if it was a bunch of people in the room. And there was one person in the audience that was the key to my destiny. And I didn't even know that this was the person. See, we think that the big moments are what make us. It's what you do in those little moments that determine if you can be trusted with the big moments. And God is saying, if you listen to my voice, but God, this don't look the way I thought it would look. It isn't the way I thought it would be. And it's not moving as fast. That's all right. If you trust me, I'll get you there. And when we go to this text, we look at Exodus 
And the background is this is the children of Israel being delivered from slavery, from bondage in Egypt. And as he's delivering them, God is so intimately acquainted with his people that he says, it says, God did not lead them through the land of the Philistines, although that was the most direct route for Egypt to the promised land. See, it made sense in the natural, take this route. This is the quickest way to get there. But God, it says, the reason was that God felt the people would become discouraged by having to fight their way through. Even though they left Egypt armed, he thought they might return to Egypt. See, see, God is so intimately acquainted with you that he has a set time for you to be promoted, for you to go from the bottom to the top, for you to move forward. And he's like, if I give it to you now, it'll destroy you. It'll discourage you. So I'm going to send you the long route to develop you so that when I give it to you, you'll be able to hold on to it. So that when I finally give it to you, you'll be able to sustain it. Oh, I know you want it at 19, but I'm going to wait till you're 39. I know you want it at 29, but I'm going to wait till you're 49. Because if I give it to you at 29, the thing that's in you is still in you that needs to be worked out of you. I got to send you through the wilderness for a season so I can work out of you that thing that's going to destroy you. He's saying, Israel, I'm not going to take you the direct route. I'm going to take you through the wilderness because we got to work some things out. Because if I take you into the promised land too early, you're going to become just like them. You're going to get messed up. So he said, we're going to take the long route to this. And it says, instead, God led them along a route through the Red Sea in the wilderness. And it says that leaving Sikoth, they camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And it says the Lord guided them by a pillar of cloud during the daytime and by a pillar of fire at night. So they could travel either by day or by night. That spoke to me because what God was saying in this, he's like, I'm directing you. And I'm making it so plain that you're going to be able to travel during the daytime when times are good, when the blessing is flowing, when you are experiencing me, when just you just come into my presence and boom, you sense me. I'm, you're going to be able to travel during that time. But he says there's going to be some night times too. There's going to be some hard moments. There's going to be some difficult days. And I've set up a fire, see, because the fire is the passion. The fire is the igniter. The fire is the thing that's going to keep you going when you feel like quitting. So I've set up more octane in the nighttime than I did in the daytime. See, he gives us five markers that we can look at. As we walk through decision-making, listening to his voice, following his guidance, that will help us make less decisions that we regret and walk in greater victory. The first thing he gives us is this, peace. There is a peace when you're making the decision. When you're walking through something and you want to know which way to go, He gives you a peace on the inside. The Bible calls it a peace that passes all understanding. 
And in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15, it says, And let the peace, soul harmony, which comes from Christ's rule, act as an umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality all questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state. See, an umpire is someone who determines if something's in or is out. If you're not an athlete, sorry. But it's this easy. An umpire makes sure that we're following the rules. And he looks at the lines and he says, that ball was out or that ball was in. Well, God's peace on the inside of us, he acts as that umpire. And he lets us know, and this is what it looks like. I, man, I just don't have peace. And you, you say, well, I don't know what it feels like to have God's peace. Well, let me tell you this. You do know what it feels like not to have it. I know what it feels like to, be, to make a decision or want to go a direction, and it's like, man, I'm just not settled. It's like, I make this decision on Monday, and then Tuesday, I'm willing to switch it. I make this decision on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm willing to switch it. Do you know why? Because you don't have peace. And I'll tell you this, don't move forward until you have peace. But he cute, and I love him. And the wedding plans are already set. Don't move forward until you have peace, because the lack of peace is like a horn or a siren saying, ah. Don't move forward. Don't move forward. So that lack of peace is how he guides us. And you know when it's not there. There's one day I was, it was years ago and I had this van and I loved this van and I had gotten it, you know, thinking I was going to do great things with it. And one day I'm at Quick Trip on Lilac and 270. That's in North County for those of you that may not know. And I'm at the gas station and I'm getting ready to pull or to get gas and, and the spirit of God just started messing with me and I just didn't have peace. And I'm like, man, I don't even understand what this is about. I'm just getting gas. Do you want me to use premium instead of regular? <laughs> it's like, I don't even know. <laughs> so it's in those moments that I've learned that when I have a lack of peace, don't just make a decision, pray. So I'm at the quick trip, and this is me. This is my car, and this is me. Because, you know, hey, listen, I love God, but, you know, I didn't want to look crazy. So I'm walking around my car on my van. I'm like, praying in the spirit, just like that. And walking around, praying in the spirit. And when I was done doing it a couple of times, Peace returned. Next morning, I drove to church just like I normally would coming here. and was in a car, a, a van accident where my van flipped over three different times. And I walked away without a scratch or anything. And God brought to my attention at that moment that I was having you pray because I was getting out in front of the accident. I was sending angels out in front of you to protect you so that you would be cool. But see, we don't know when we, when we have that lack of peace, we just like to keep going. We just like to let our emotions override it. No, that lack of peace always means something. Number two, the word of God. 
You're going to hear me say that over and over again, that the word of God is God's marker. If it is not in the word, if it doesn't line up with his word, then you've got a question if it's God. That man that you like so much, so you're like, yes, God sent me to him and sent him to me. Well, babe, he's married. But God sent him. See, when you don't know the word, you get caught up in all craziness. I had a young lady who was walking through a particular situation just like that. And she's like, God sent him. And although he's still married, we believe that God put us together. And they walked through all of this craziness because she pushed forward with something that did not line up with God's word. And do you know what? She just reached out to me two weeks ago and said to me, Pastor Tony, I am sorry I did listen to you and went ahead with this. We walked through all of this craziness. I'll tell you this. It ain't about her listening to me. This is what the word said. The word said this isn't what God would have for you. And when you don't know the word of God, which is that basic place to learn before Rhema and Revelation, you're going to get messed up. If you say that reading the Bible is boring, you're not doing it right. It is one of the most exciting, most adventurous things I have ever done with my life. It has taught me more about me than I could have ever known, taught me more about life than I could have ever imagined. And it has been the guiding principle that has kept my life the way that it is. And when you read the word, Because everything isn't laid out in the word like, don't do this, don't do that. Look for principles. Because there are principles that will guide you. You say, well, God didn't say don't do this. Well, guess what? He said your body's a temple. Temple of the Holy Ghost. And maybe he doesn't say don't smoke. But he does talk about not damaging the temple. Connect the dots, baby. It's a principle. Don't do anything to harm the temple. God lives in this temple. So all the things that you excuse yourself up of and you wonder, well, why am I walking through this? And why am I walking through this? Baby, bruh, it's in the Bible. It's a principle set in place. Second thing under this, read the Bible in context. Stop proof texting. What is proof texting? That's a biblical Bible school term to say, stop making the Bible say what you want it to say. If you, whenever you read the Bible and you see something in there, read the paragraph before and the paragraph after. Because if you don't, you're going to get jacked up. I got jacked up our, our first year of marriage. I love telling my stories because my mistakes, I want to help y'all. And I read in Deuteronomy chapter 6 that a man is supposed to take off a year and not do anything. Now, wait, wait. I know where y'all going. I didn't quit my job. Come on now. But I made a decision based on the word, not reading it within context that caused us challenges within our first year. So I learned, man, read that baby in context. I'm just trying to get it to say what you want it to say. Then the next one, number three, another marker as to how God guides is wisdom. Wisdom fills in the gaps for principles, promises, and commands. See, there is, that's why when I have to make big decisions, a lot of times I go to the book of Proverbs and I just read through trying to figure out, okay, how did you say handle this? How do you say handle that? Because wisdom is that key factor that we all bypass because it's like, well, the Bible don't say nothing about this. But let me ask you this. There are three questions I ask myself when it comes to wisdom. In light of my past, 
behaviors. What's the wise thing to do? If I had a problem with drinking, and the Bible doesn't tell me not to go into this club or this place, but I had a problem with drinking, in light of my past, wisdom said you don't need to go to the bar. Because there are keys of wisdom that, that play out in light of my challenges. I, you had a problem with women. Well, you know what? You don't need to be riding with women alone, going to the mall or to the store or to lunch. Say yeah. <laughs> The second thing, in light of my present situation, what's the wise thing to do? Why would I take off and go around the world when I don't have money to take care of home? If God hasn't given me a specific word and given me a specific resource to step into that, why would I do that? In light of my present situation, I got little babies at home and God's telling me to go around the world and leave the babies. And you need to check and see if that's wisdom. Maybe in 10 years, maybe he spoke to you today about what he wants you to do 10 years from now. But in light of what's present, you don't need to do that. That's not wisdom. And then the last one in this. In light of my future plans and dreams, if my heart is to get out of debt, if it's in me to want to close out some of those past things because I want to do something in my future, then I need to make decisions today that set me up for the future. I can't go into doing stuff today that's going to harm the future because here's the thing, then I don't really believe in my future. And then the fourth one in this that we miss as a marker, godly counsel. We like to think that we can do it all by ourselves and we don't need anybody to speak in anything. I'm a grown man. I'm a grown woman. But do you know God has strategically set people in your life to speak things into your life to help you stay on track? This is what I've seen. And this isn't a mark against any age or group or anything. I think we all do it. There was a young lady that we had been walking with and counseling and encouraging and, and just we brought her in to just be a part of our world. And when she wanted to get married to somebody else, she decided that we no longer had the right counsel to keep helping her. And it's interesting when we want to do what we want to do, how we want to do it, the way we want to do it. The people that were blessing us the most now, they don't know what they're talking about because they don't agree with what we want to do. But the Bible says in Proverbs 15 and 22, refuse good advice and watch your plans fail. Take good counsel and watch them succeed. It says in the midst of many counselors, there's wisdom. That's why you've got to have good people around you that know God and can hear from God and love you. And you've got to be willing to listen to them even when you don't like what they say. Because we tend to run after what we want. And we forget. Uh, Pastor Tony was good enough for you to talk to when this was happening. But now I say something you don't like and I don't know what I'm talking about anymore. That person was speaking to you. Oh, they gave you words of wisdom to help you with your marriage and help you with your job and help you with your children and help you with all these areas. But now you want to leave it all and do what you want to do. It's like they don't know what they're talking about. They don't understand me. They don't know my situation. They just spent eight years with you, meeting with you every week, knowing all about your situation. They know your situation better than you do. But now they don't want your counsel. And it is one of the greatest areas that I've seen people get jacked up. And get their lives messed up. 
I pastor this church and God has given me a grace to lead it. But do you know what? I got, I got people in my life that I've given permission to tell me when I'm off, when I'm wrong. And I say, and you know what? They'll call me some Sunday. They'll call me on a Monday and tell me, hey, what were you thinking about when you said this or that? And you know what? Yeah, my flesh rises up from time to time. That's like, what you calling me for today? Just keep it to yourself. Pray for me. I don't need to hear that. No, they know I need to hear it because it keeps me right. But when we don't want that godly counsel, we get running off in the areas and we're like, God, why didn't you stop me? Oh, I sent three people to stop you. And then the last one, circumstances. Our last marker is circumstances. And can I tell you this? Your circumstances are the least thing that you should look at when you're trying to see if it's God or not. Now you say, Pastor Tony, well, wait a minute. Doesn't that contradict the first one or, or the third one in wisdom? Nah. Because God speaks to you first apart from your circumstances and then comes in and deals with your circumstances. And this last one with circumstances is this. Is this an open door or a closed door? See, when something is an open door, it's like, okay, God, you've opened the door for me to do this and that. It must be God that the door is open. No, that's not it. That's where wisdom comes in. That's where godly counsel comes in. That's where the word of God comes in. That's where peace comes in. See, the reason why I put open doors and closed doors last is because you need to have the other markers in play to know if it's God. If you only go by the open doors in your life, there will be an open door of opportunity that the devil will open for you. And he will make you think that it's God. And because you're isolated and all by yourself, you don't have anybody to speak to you about it. And you go into this thing and it will destroy you. And then there are closed doors. This is what I understand about open doors. Let me say this. The blessing of the Lord make the rich and adds no sorrow to it. When God opens the door, There may be challenges, but there's peace. There's a peace that passes anything you can imagine that even with challenges, you're still like, whoa, but God's still telling me to move forward. And then closed doors. Closed doors are God's way at times of saying, this ain't what I told you to do. This isn't what I told you to go after. And I love the way Stephen Furtick put it. Rejection is really redirection to where God really wants you to go. And there are moments where God closes doors because he's like, I don't want you to go that way, but I want you to go this way. And there are moments where the enemy will try and close a door that God is opening for you and you need to stay at it. And you're like, well, Pastor Tony, this seems really tough to navigate. No, it really doesn't because when you follow the first four principles, it allows you to navigate the fifth correctly. Today, maybe you've never 
You've made bad decisions your whole life. And today you're in a place that you're not happy with and you don't like. You've, you've made bad decisions with relationships, made bad decisions with jobs. And because of your decision making, you think that God doesn't love you, that God doesn't want to bless you, that God doesn't want you to succeed. I know what it's like. I've been there. I've handled my life so much myself that I thought it was God doing it when it was me. God, why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you opening the door? Why aren't you doing this? And it was me because I wouldn't listen because I did what I wanted to do. Oh, this isn't me saying before I was a Christian. This is when I became one. But what I love about God's GPS is when I make a right turn, when I'm supposed to go left, He does this thing called recalculating. He recalculates my path. And he gets me back on the path right from where I am, not from where I should have been, not from where I wish I should have been. He takes me there right from where I am. Hope you enjoyed that message. If you live in the St. Louis area or ever plan to visit, we'd love for you to join us at one of our services at 4324 Margareta at either our 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. service. Be blessed. We hope to worship with you soon.